It's episode 32 of the Always Loyal Podcast. Jordan Carruth, what are we chatting about? Hello, Darren Smith. This week on the Always Loyal Podcast, we're going to chat it up with John Morrissey. You can follow him on Twitter at USL Tactics. You probably do already if you're listening to this podcast. He provides great analysis of USL Championship, including what's been happening this season with San Diego Loyal. We will chat with him about the season for SD. We'll also ask him what's happening with other teams across the league. What happened to Orange County this year? Where did it go wrong for Phoenix? All that coming up. Stone Buena Mesa salt and lime lager is brewed with real lime and a touch of sea salt. It's the perfect beer for enjoying in the summer sun. Stone Brewing, also proud to be a longtime partner of the Surfrider Foundation San Diego chapter, dedicated to the protection and enjoyment of the world's oceans, waves, and beaches. That's why for every six-pack of Buena Mesa salt, Stone is donating $2 to Surfrider. You can visit find.stonebrewing.com to track down Buena Mesa near you. Do Buena live weather all right jordan you said it well i think many of us that are on social media we see the account at usl tactics and we think who is the usl tactics guy well we're going to meet him tonight his name is john morrissey he is a data researcher he's got websites he's got all sort of stuff going on soccer data and tactics analyst with experience working for the tampa bay rowdies and currently with sacramento republic so if you've ever seen these amazing clips and these breakdowns from USL Tactics on Twitter, we're going to meet the man behind the account, behind the website. Pretty excited about this. I, I know you and I love talking about this sport. We've done it for years, but I like people who analyze it and make soccer fans smarter. And that's exactly what John Morrissey does. Mm-hmm. He provides content that you really don't find anywhere else, which is really, really cool. What I like um, about the opportunity of chatting with John a little bit later is the fact that he he doesn't just cover SD loyal. He, he watches, he actually has a connection and affiliation with a club in USL. Um, we'll ask him about that. Um, but he could talk about a bunch of clubs. We can ask him more than just San Diego stuff. We can ask him about Sacramento getting ready for an open cup final. We can ask him about Phoenix and what happened to them this year. We'll probably ask about orange County as well. I know I want to ask about what he sees as the biggest strength for SD loyal. I know for a fact, he spent a lot of time looking and watching and, and analyzing SD this year. It's not someone that we're going to bring on and who has maybe watched a game or two of San Diego. We're bringing a guest on who has seen a lot of these matches. And I think we'll have a good opinion on what he considers to be the best part of SD. And maybe we'll ask him about what the biggest weakness he thinks the team has as we get a little bit closer to playoff time. Yeah. You know, it sort of occurs to me, Jordan, while you and I are sitting here setting up this interview, which will be in our next, segment i'm unaware of any human being on earth who watches more usl more usl championship than john morrissey i don't know that that person actually exists and i don't mean to to speak or sound like i'm speaking ill of the commissioner the president of the league or any of these coaches i know they probably sit around and they study film and they do a lot of that game plan and all that sort of stuff but in terms of watching every team play every single match I'm unaware of anybody watching more USL championship than, than John Morrissey. So this is going to be a great conversation just to know what his life is like watching this much USL championship. Mm -hmm. I want to know a little bit more about his background NYU. um, And I think the obvious question for him is why is he bothering with USL championship? We'll, we'll ask him that question, a very smart guest. And I, I think we'll ask him a question that, we asked Sean Kelly a couple of weeks ago, can you please explain XG to us? Cause I, I still don't feel like I have 
have a good understanding. By the way, when you say it that way, when you said, why is he bothering with USL championship? Do you mean to say like he should be giving us advice about our retirement plans or real estate, or he should be doing, he should be putting all this intellect to work in a way that, you know, maybe is, uh, is other than just analyzing soccer matches. How many other NYU students are analyzing USL championship? I'm unaware of any of them. There you go. Okay. Well, I just, I wanted to make sure I understood you. Cause you know, I, I certainly appreciate it. Every time he I comes up with video grateful. analysis of loyal, I'm like, this is helpful. This helps me. Thank you very much at USL tactics guy. He's at USL tactics, but you know, sort of the way we referred to him before he was an invited guest upcoming uh, Jordan 30 or uh, 33 total matches, seven more to go at Monterey coming up on Saturday at San Antonio back to back away. Mm. Just two home matches remain September 17th against Phoenix rising. And then October 9th against New Mexico United sitting second place. We'll get to the standings coming up second and three of the always loyal podcast, but uh, at home, a little bit of a, a surprising result. Fourth loss of the season at Torero Stadium, losing to Oakland Roots. I'll say this for Loyal. When they lose at home, they lose somewhat spectacularly. 5-2, 5-0, 3-1. Of course, there was one where they got clipped 2-1 earlier this season. But didn't see that one coming. And now, you know, here we are in the stretch. I think the more important point is not what happened against Oakland. But, you know, now we talked about it last week, not losing back-to-back -back matches, putting that to the test at Monterey coming up Saturday night. By the way, watch party at um, Fair Play in North Park for anybody that wants to go out and watch that. But here we are. It's the playoff push. And, you know, that was one I, I certainly didn't expect to see that result midweek against Oakland. But it now, you know, shines a nice bright light on the remaining fixtures. Uh, it, it does. USL Championship, the league itself, their power rankings have been updated. San Diego dropping two spots this week after that loss to Oakland at home. The way the league describes the loss, SD Loyal did a whole lot right in their defeat to Oakland last Wednesday night. They ran into a ridiculously hot goalkeeping performance. Mm. They hope that doesn't happen in the playoffs. So I think there's a couple of takeaways from, from that kind of description from it all that maybe the performance really wasn't all that bad. And there was just a really good performance in net, but it is kind of like one of those reminders of how, I don't know if I want to use the word random, but I kind of want to use the word random, how, how random playoff games can be at times. Like you can run into one of these matches in the playoffs and surprise, surprise, there's a massive upset. We've seen it every single year in USL championship. So as excited as I am, as the playoffs get closer and I'm expecting San Diego to have a very high seed, it's also probably a good reminder of buckle up because like anything can happen here down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. What I meant to say earlier was 27 down seven to go. Hard to believe this is the final podcast we're recording for the month of August, then we're in September. And before you know it, the postseason's going to roll around. Now, I don't know that our guest is going to be able to answer this question, John Morrissey, when he joins us, but I did see Loyal earlier on Twitter, on the official SD Loyal Twitter account, teasing that there was some sort of perhaps uh, impossible or near impossible statistically, uh, probability wise, for them to clinch a playoff spot upcoming this weekend, that there was some remote chance that Loyal could clinch a playoff spot as soon as this weekend. I'm guessing no matter what the results are anywhere around the Western Conference, that would have to include Loyal winning in a place where they've never played before at Monterey Bay. Well, it's a good thing we have a numbers guy coming up on the podcast. John Morrissey joins the Always Loyal podcast next.
San Diego Community Power is a not-for-profit public agency committed to providing clean, renewable energy at competitive rates and investing in innovative programs that benefit our communities. You can visit sdcommunitypower.org to learn more about cleaner energy choices. A graduate of NYU who covers USL championship in a way. Are you the first NYU student to do that? Given the dearth of national media coverage for USL, I would have to imagine so. I would, I would think so, right? This is a unique approach. No one else has taken this approach, and I love it. There we go. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that was sort of the thesis when I started this kind of mid-pandemic was A, I'm bored, and B, there aren't enough people doing data and tactics about the USL. The reaction, your initial reaction, how many clubs across USL Championship have reached out to you with either just questions? Um, I mean, there's a lot of teams, but I would imagine that a lot of them are interested in what you're what you're doing. So like how what percentage of the league has like talked to you in any capacity? Boy, I mean, I've worked for two teams at this point. I've had offers from maybe five or six and informal conversations with maybe 10. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's pretty a pretty good ratio, I would say. Yeah, I mean, that's more than a third of the league. John, how did this start for you? Uh, you know, where you are, I mean, for, for uh, years, and I mean this respectfully, watching and following along on Twitter, you never really knew who the person was behind the account. And I was like, sure. wow, this is super interesting and this is super helpful. Jordan and I were just saying, you know, there's a lot of people that talk about sports. You know, there's not enough people who who analyze it and teach us the game the way you do. How did this all start for you? Yeah, so I mean, I played the sport a bit when I was younger, but basically quit at high school as someone who has the dexterity and hand-eye or foot-eye coordination of basically an inanimate object. But I always just really enjoyed watching the game. I got into the Premier League after, uh, I believe, the World Cup in 2010, maybe, and just sort of following along. I've always been a data tactics kind of deeper understanding oriented person when it comes to the games that are traditionally popular in the u.s and so when i turned to soccer as an interest it naturally extended that way i devoured everything i could read about it and so fast forward 2020 i'm home from school with absolutely nothing to do kind of just spend time with mom or be on my laptop and i decide you know what, people aren't doing a lot of work in terms of that tactical analysis, that data analysis for the USL championship. Um, Having grown up in Indianapolis and moved to Phoenix partway through high school, those are both USL markets. So that was the league of interest. And I figured, hey, maybe I have something to say. And it caught on from there. And it's really proven to be something I enjoy and something that's borne fruit for me in terms of opportunities to be involved and what is your week like uh we half jokingly in our first segment said i'm guessing there's not many people on planet earth who watch more usl championship than john morrissey what is your week like i mean where you just graduated from nyu in may what is a, a week like for you just in terms of consuming all the different matches that the usl championship has to offer Sure. So I have a full-time job in consulting that is basically a nine to five during the work week. Uh, Saturday nights are a little bit tough for me. (laughs) I'm jumping back and forth between basically every game. 
trying to get just a handful of clips that you'll end up seeing whenever I do a thread about a certain team or a certain game. Just trying to get a sense of, okay, so San Diego, say, plays in this kind of fluid 3-5-2 type shape. Is there a variation in that? What are they doing interestingly with the lineup that they're putting out? Just trying to get these snatches of every single game trying to get as much done as I can in that weekend frame. So then Sunday becomes kind of synthesizing that into the bodies of the things I'll be posting during the week and getting that gigantic covering every team power ranking that I put out each week, formalized, drafted, and then slightly edited. I realize that it's pretty error prone (laughs) every given Sunday. But yeah, that's sort of the grind for me, trying to get as much done as I can in that weekend frame. And I enjoy it a lot, but it definitely is a lot of work. Yeah, absolutely. There's no question about that. I'm curious, um, with with someone with your approach to watching the game, analyzing it the way that you do, are there certain teams, certain styles that you're kind of attracted to more than others? You, you mentioned you're a Premier League fan as well. Is there Are there certain clubs you just really love watching? Yeah, um, I try to be almost like a neutral observer in the USL context, even though I probably identify closest with the Indy 11. Whereas with the Premier League, I'm pretty exclusive just watching Tottenham say what you will about sort of the defensive counterattacking game that they play. Within the USL, I'm drawn to the teams that play on the front foot, try to do something positive and get good results from that. So I tend to be pretty vocal watching San Diego games, for instance. Uh, Louisville and Tampa are pretty appealing to me as a viewer. It's always a difficulty for me to get interested in, I don't know, like Monterey versus some of the other teams in the league, and that's no offense to them. But, I mean, they play a defensive style that's a little bit drier, so that would probably define what I'm looking for as a viewer, but yeah. I'm curious of the best teams in USL championship. Is there a certain characteristic that they, that they share in common? Is there something that you've noticed this year with whatever teams you consider to be the best? Is there something that, that they kind of have in common? I think that all of the top teams have a distinct style and don't feel the need to adopt a different tactic to every single team they're playing. So you're obviously going to see some variation because it makes sense to address what your opposition is based out of. But think about San Diego trying to possess the ball and play bright attacking soccer every single week. Think about San Antonio kind of doing the opposite, bunkering in, playing on the counter, or Louisville sticking in that 4-1-4-1, pressing really high, playing a high defensive line. Even when that's less advantageous, these teams are so confident in their system, in the talent that they have within that system, that they aren't going to shoot themselves in the foot by completely changing up their approach. And I think at the end of the day, the familiarity and the patterns that you build by sticking with those basic concepts is something that's invaluable in this league. And it really pays off at the top of the table. Interesting. You know, Landon Donovan, we've had a chance to interview him countless times here and countless times off the podcast. And one of the things, John, that he says, and I think Loyal has even pushed this out on social media, I'm sure it probably caught your eye, is he says, we're not just going to be another boring USL club, right? 
we're going to do things a little bit differently here. And, and he's almost given us the impression that if you were to just swap kits, sometimes you wouldn't know the difference between one club to the next. How, how accurate is that? You know, you're talking and highlighting some of the clubs at the top of the table. Uh, you know, how, how, how much tactical uh, analysis is, is even is required for some of them? I mean, do you see a lot of uniformity in terms of, you know, just playing sit, sat back, you know, sit back, counterattacking style soccer in this league? Yeah, I think it's pretty common if you're one of the kind of lower ranking teams in the USL. I know a lot of that comes, especially with the bottom half of the Eastern Conference. There is hardly a distinction what they're doing where you're going to bunker in, you're going to try to hit the other side on the counter. I do think the parity across the Western Conference, the competition you're getting at the bubble there, has ended up breeding really some distinct styles this year. But just to speak to the commentary from Landon, and I've definitely seen that, I think San Diego really has been the team that sparked a movement towards this offensive back three that can turn into a back four when you're defending, but then variation within that. The way that San Diego is so fluid has uh, specifically influenced what the LA Galaxy 2 are doing this year. You've seen hints of it from Tampa Bay, which traditionally is the leading proponent of just three center backs, nothing more. That's exactly what you're playing week in and week out. So I think that really the larger technical staff for the loyal deserve credit for kind of going out on a limb having something distinct about their identity that breaks the mold of this less sophisticated rely on your stars sort of gambit that you get from those middling clubs. So it, it sounds like then what we're seeing here is a, 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 an evolution, maybe a revolution of, of actual tactics week in week out, which obviously is going to help somebody who is at USL tactics. But, you know, this this is, you know, increased not just from what it is that we primarily pay attention to, but you're noticing this all across the league that that the league is really growing in in ways beyond just the quality of player and exposure on the field. Definitely. And I think with some of these recent uh, coaching changes that you've seen across the USL, there is a real focus on getting people who have experience at higher levels of the game like. Hartford Athletic, who has, I think, made the playoffs once ever and never been that competitive, just hired Tab Ramos, who's a stalwart of the U.S. national system. Uh, Tulsa Today just announced that they're bringing in Blair Gavin, who he was with Phoenix for a while, but he's tenured as an MLS assistant. Clubs increasingly realize that you can't just get by by throwing 11 talented players on the pitch. There has to be a strategy. There has to be a real tactical, technical mind at the helm if you want to reach those highest tiers within the league. I definitely want to ask you about Phoenix and Orange County, but before we get there, I do want to sink our teeth a little bit into San Diego Loyal. From your perspective, uh, how good can SD Loyal be this season? Yeah, so I do a weekly power ranking piece, and San Diego basically has been top three, top four for the last couple of weeks or months at a minimum. This is a team with title potential. I think they're clearly top two in the West. If you're looking at form, I think they have a real argument for maybe being the best team in that conference. 
it's been the increasing solidity and defense that has set them apart for me. This is a team that always is effective when they attack. I think Alejandro Guido is an MVP candidate for that very reason. Kyle Vassell, as an addition over the course of 2022, has diversified what this team does attacking-wise, where you have the option to just lump it up to him because he's so physically able, he can hold off any defender, keep the ball, and bring teammates into play. Whereas, say, 2021, San Diego was very reliant on that ground-based possession game. But then you think about what you're getting with, like, a Kyle Adams, a Stoneman, Elijah Martin especially. I think if we cared about defense in the USL, he would be an MVP candidate. But just the way that in recent weeks this team has come together, really found a way to limit opposition in terms of the chances they're creating – they've got a shot at this thing at the end of the day. When you think about like what Orange County did last season with such a defense-based run to the title, San Diego isn't going to play that style of game, but they have the personnel at the core of their roster to do well enough in defense to carry themselves in that late fall run. Is there a characteristic of the team that you've noticed that might hold them back in a playoff run? That's a good question. I think maybe the one thing would be, I know I spoke complimentary of that shifty 3-5-2 turned 4-4-2 versus offense and defense system where you require such a level of tactical intelligence, positional awareness within every situation of the game that you naturally leave yourself a little bit vulnerable especially down the wings and in a matchup against a team like say Colorado Springs that is so quick in those areas against the San Antonio that I know San Diego got that three, nothing win, but they're still so able to break into the wide areas. It just gives me a slight bit of pause, but this is really one of the strongest units in the USL. And I do think that they can play with anyone at the end of the day. Who's the uh, who's the glue guy on Boyle? We, you know, we've talked a lot about the additions, and and I think you may have even mentioned this in in um, one of your uh, recent pieces that that you know last year was. I mean, we were there. We were pitch side for all of them. And kind of ordinary, very bang average squad, especially trying to put the ball in the net. They brought in Vassell. They bring in Among. They bring in Conway. These are their three leading scorers. Wow, how about that? But but you know, who's like the the whole glue? Who's the oil to the whole operation? I think the unsung hero of it all has to be Colin Martin, maybe. He does so much defensively at the core of the midfield. He is such a safe pair of hands. He's one of the most accurate passers in the entirety of the division. There's really, when you think about that central midfield, Guido is probably the most flashy, talented player in the USL. Charlie Adams is capable of really taking a game by the scruff of the neck and playing like a diagonal ball that just takes your breath away. Martin gets in there. He's so industrious. He's so able to shut down an opposing counter at a moment's notice. It can go a little bit unnoticed because of the really bright moments that this team generates. 
but what he does in front of that back line to slow things down, to keep everything level is really invaluable to what San Diego does. So I think he really is the X factor here. And in, in terms of just changes that you've noticed them make, whether this is, you know, match by match, in-game, et cetera, I mean, where would you identify something? Uh, once upon a time, we always perceived it, closing out matches was a real weakness for this club. You know, never felt good about a one-goal lead heading into the 85th minute. But where would you say uh, the biggest advancements have come from, from what you've seen with San Diego Loyal? No, I think you've just spoken to it. There have been so many games where at the end of it, you kind of just like throw on like a Nico Boxall or a Camden Riley. You go into a real back five kind of setup and you dare the opposition to get a goal and beat you. And by and large, teams haven't been able to do that. San Diego always has been a little bit leaky in those sorts of scenarios in past seasons. So to have the depth in defense and the capability to say, listen, we've done our thing offensively for 80 minutes. Now it's your turn to try and beat a really solid group of players. That's a boon for what the lawyer are trying to do. And I mean, I think it's credit to coach Donovan to the front office for getting this roster together. that can do such a thing. Um, I, I mentioned I wanted to bring up both Phoenix and Orange County. Um, I guess I'll ask it this way. What happened to Phoenix this season? So I've talked to a couple of players within the organization. It's clear that a lot of the communication from Rick Schantz had gone sour. The messaging that he was trying to get across wasn't hitting in the same way. I think the loss of Solomon Asante was a big deal. But at the same time, what you're seeing from them defensively has been the real crux of it all. Schantz was so slow to address the issues they were having, especially at left back, where they had brought in two players at that position who were very much attack-minded, who were regularly caught out. And again and again, teams were beating them into the channel, playing beyond that left back spot and getting chances again and again. And that was compounded by the fact that the midfield, for whatever reason, tended to be a lot sloppier in the way they passed. Schantz kind of responded to these initial issues by loosening up what they were doing in the press, which had traditionally been the identity of Phoenix. Press high, keep a large amount of possession, and constantly be in the final third. So you've lost the identity. You have these issues in defense. They've had some injuries as well, all of it combined to worsen those locker room issues. And then suddenly this team just doesn't care to play hard for the coach. I frankly think they should have gotten rid of him probably a month or two ago. And the way that they've handled the replacement isn't going to do much for the morale of the team, I would say, just in terms of the sketchiness of it all with reaching out to Juan Guerra in the way that they did. But it's really been a nightmare in pretty much every aspect. And they frankly never replaced that hold-up striker that they'd had traditionally. Think about Anandam John, Arufat Dadashov. That came belatedly when they brought in J.J. Williams. But it's just every step of how they built the team, how they formulated their tactics was a misfire, and the reactions have been too slow at every stage. 
Phoenix is one of the teams that will visit San Diego before the end of the season. The other team I wanted to bring up is uh, Orange County, reigning champs. Uh, what has happened to that club this year? So if you, one of the common stats to um, kind of analyze how goalkeepers are playing is goal saved above average. You look at, given the position that an opposing team is shooting from, how many goals do you expect to give up versus the actual goals you've allowed? No team is below 10 in that regard, or negative 10 rather, except for Orange County. They, by a mile, have had the worst goalkeeping in the USL. That has come in tandem with the fact that um, uh, Ronaldo Damas, their star striker who scored, I think about two thirds, 75% of their goals in the title run, left for Sweden. Uh, they had injuries to key players, Rob Kiernan in defense, for example, Brian Oloski in the midfield. Uh, Kubo Torres, the Mexican striker who was a real star in MLS about a decade ago, hasn't quite done it in terms of scoring. So you've lost your players. You're a little bit unlucky in terms of the goalkeeping. And then they've replaced three quarters of the back line. And this is a defense first team that suddenly has four defenders who don't know how one another plays. It's really been a complete 180. They panicked and they changed back and forth between different systems week in and week out for much of the season. I do think that in recent weeks, Orange County has found an identity again. They've got back those players that were missing. Uh, Milan Olaski has been on an absolute heater in attack. He is the leader for the Golden Boot race right now, and he's someone you have to watch out for. He's got probably the best right-footed shot in the USL. I still think that the issues ring true for the fact that their defense is sloppy, but I do think that they're closer to the form they had last season than we've seen at any point this year, maybe. And I have one final question about a different Western Conference club, John, and that would be one that you either have worked with or continued to work with, Sacramento Republic. Because um, this was the club I remember, Jordan, coming into the league. Maybe it was the Warren Smith factor, but we sort of said we would love for Loyal one day to, to go and find the success that Sac Republic has had. I just wonder, um, you know, if, if you tell us briefly what it was or what it is that you do with Sac Republic, and then also how you how you uh, like their chances in the U.S. Open Cup coming up here on, what, September 7th, I want to say? Yeah, I mean, right on the date. Um, so in the offseason, they were very active with what they were doing transaction-wise, and me being a guy that writes about USL teams, uh, sort of was trying to prognosticate maybe what Sacramento would do system-wise. And lo and behold, a couple of days later, Mark Briggs, the manager of the side, reach out, reaches out to me and says he'd read the article and, yeah, kind of have it pegged for what he was trying to do. Would I be interested in doing some scouting with them? So every week I uh, shoot Coach Briggs a scouting report on one of their upcoming opponent. And so in that context, I've done a lot of work about how does Orlando play the game? What could possibly be the weaknesses in that side? I really think Sacramento could do it. And I know I've got the rose tinted USL goggles on there, but this is sort of a middling team in the Eastern Conference in MLS. They play this style where their right back gets high constantly. And it's a clear weakness that they have never cared to address. And Sacramento is capable of exploiting that. So 
I don't want to put the cart before the horse in terms of an away match at a team that probably has quadrupled the salary at a minimum, but Sacramento has a real chance. And I know also I'm biased because I've talked with Mark on a regular basis and I really believe in what they're doing with that club, but I would be excited as a fan of lower league soccer just to see what goes on. I love that too. Now, have have you ever been approached or contacted by any other managers for for them to compliment what it was that you had to offer, or you know, maybe do the opposite? <laughs> maybe say, "Hey, man, you don't know what the heck you're talking about." So I worked with uh, Tampa Bay last season, and it was kind of the same deal where I had been posting about what they were doing during their playoff run. And shortly after that ended, Neil Collins reached out to me and said, hey, would you be interested in doing some scouting work next season? Hmm. So it, I guess it just shows the power of Twitter. Uh, maybe you've answered the question by, uh, by what you just chatted about for the last couple of minutes. But let's, let's finish with this. The team that will win the Western Conference, if it's not San Diego or San Antonio, who's it going to be? I have to go Sacramento, and I think it's because of the defensive style of soccer that is so successful in these kind of one-off playoff scenarios. They've shown that they can do it in the Open Cup by sitting back with a whole host of defenders and getting one goal to win a game, and I think that'll bear fruit in the uh, USL playoffs as well. Mm -hmm. Plus, you know, they apparently have a pretty good data department too, from what we understand. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Uh, John, how can everybody find your work? Yeah, at USL Tactics on Twitter, I'm posting data, posting recaps about every single game, Uh, the USL show podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and then uh, be sure to read Backhealed. I'm just a small part of the effort there. I'm kind of the USL beat guy, but we've got coverage of MLS, uh, the NWSL, really every aspect of American soccer, and it's great, great analysis besides the small part that I play. Very cool, John. We really uh, enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for having it. Yeah, of course. Love to be here. All right, Darren, let's take a look at the Western Conference standings presented by the Bright app. It's the world's leading platform for personal training available on the App Store and Google Play. All right, Jordan, I'm looking at the Western Conference standings. This is on uslchampionship.com. San Antonio Football Club, they are sitting in position one, 57 points on the season, Jordan. And there's a little X next to their name, next to San Antonio Football Club. What does that mean? I think they're going to the playoffs. Looks like they're going to the playoffs. San Diego Loyal Soccer Club sitting second on the table in the West, 52 points. Uh, San Antonio still does have a match in hand, a game in hand against uh, uh, the West of the West. Colorado Springs, Sac Republic, New Mexico United, El Paso, Locomotive, Las Vegas Lights. That's one through seven in the Western Conference. This week's opponent is Monterey Bay Football Club. They are 12th out of 13 Western Conference clubs. 25 matches played, Jordan. Nine wins, 14 losses, two draws, 29 points. Not officially eliminated yet, but uh, congratulations, I suppose, to San Antonio Football Club, the first USL Championship club to clinch a postseason berth. Mm -hmm. And uh, San Diego might not be too far behind them. Uh, still an opportunity to take over the one seed by the end of the season. That's very much uh, up for grabs here with seven matches to go. The fact that they play each other is really big. Um, and the fact that San Antonio has a not so easy schedule down the stretch is, is something to take note. Um, I really enjoy that conversation with John Morrissey. He, um, 
clearly is very complimentary of San Diego loyal says it's one of the teams that could actually win the championship. There's not many teams uh, that I believe could actually win the championship this year. There's only a handful of those kind of teams and San Diego is clearly one of them, maybe a little bit more than a handful, maybe a little bit more than a handful, but San Diego is definitely one of them. Sacramento though, maybe that is a team to, to look out for when it comes right. to a playoff type structure. I know when you look ahead at the remaining matches for loyal, you know, you just mentioned that there. All right. Well, Monterey, even away sitting 12th out of 13th. Then you go to San Antonio, Jordan. That's a playoff team. Phoenix at home on September 17th. That will be the penultimate regular season home match. I know they are offering buy one, get a ticket half price off second ticket, half price off on, um, September 17th against Phoenix Hispanic heritage night, uh, Vegas currently, uh, in a playoff spot. We just mentioned that orange County. They're almost out of it. New Mexico at home. That's a playoff team, Sacramento. That's going to be away. That's the playoff team as well. And who knows by then they might be the U S open cup winner. So yeah, San Antonio does have a challenging schedule, but what was that? Five of the seven remaining against playoff clubs on the, on the Western conference side. Yeah, it is a difficult stretch for San Diego. Um, but that's what it is. That's, Most of that, them away. That's the schedule. Yeah. And a two at home and five away where they've, you know, they've not performed as well as they have performed at Torero stadium. He referenced a couple clubs that just looking at the, the way that they play their style that would provide or would um, be difficult for San Diego to go up against. He referenced Colorado Springs and San Antonio, the way that, the way that they play the good news for San Diego is they've, they've had great success against those teams this year. So San Diego's legit. He didn't yep. say this team's built different the way we have every single episode of the podcast this year, but he, he pretty much said that, right? Like this is, this is one of the few teams that's good enough to win it all. Yeah, I think he said so. And I think he, you know, in particular uh, pointed out, I mean, very, very high praise for Guido uh, and other players as well. But I also thought what he said was so interesting about, you know, how watching this club might have had a profound impact on the rest of the USL championship, sort of, sort of pushing others, to think, you know, about what it is, how it is that they go about their business, not just sitting around trying to clip a goal late, not just necessarily even, you know, just coaching um, for the, for the job security aspect of it. I thought that was really interesting that this club is, has seemingly in John's opinion, elevated everybody else around the lake. Yeah. I don't think Landon and the rest of the coaching staff were very shy about that either. They've been very upfront about the fact that there's a style they want to play and they have inspired the rest of the league. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. They've used some different words to say that. Yeah. We don't want to be another one of these boring effing clubs. <laughs> you know? And some of those clubs take that very personally. Like I think yeah. orange, that orange County remembered it for sure. Listen, we're all glad that San Diego doesn't play like orange County. Aren't exactly. we? Exactly. All right. Monterey all Bay. Right. This is a, uh, this is one of those, this is one of those away trips there in that wouldn't be a very difficult sell for you or I, if anyone nope. wants to no. Send us up to Monterey Bay this weekend. We'll, you know people uh, we'll who know on. people in that part of the world, man. There's some, some good wine in that region as well. But if you're not going to make your way up there to Monterey Bay, maybe make your way to Fair Play in North Park. It is a new sports bar. If you love Bluefoot, which is one of the great soccer bars in San Diego, same owner, same team, brand new, 30th in Lincoln, aim for 30th in Lincoln in North Park, and head on out there Saturday night to Fair Play. Baja Bound driving to Mexico. Visit BajaBound.com for the easiest way to get Mexican auto insurance for your trip.
Their easy-to-use website allows you to buy your Mexico insurance in minutes from your computer or any mobile device, BajaBound.com, serving Mexico travelers since 1994. 